0: Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, we're talking about the concrete proposals that are coming out of the Amazon Synod and what happens next to implement those ideas. Then, we'll take you into the gatherings happening outside the Synod, including one meeting of Synod leaders in a catacomb outside Rome where they renewed a Vatican II-era pact that shaped the Latin American church for the last 50 years. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New York, Jerry.
1: Good morning from a very warm Rome, Colleen.
0: So let's get started on our first story. The Amazon Synod is entering its final week, and as it does so, it's preparing to present to the Pope a set of recommendations that'll come in one final document. Now, we don't know exactly what proposals have been presented or will be voted on, but we have been getting reports on what ideas are being discussed. Jerry, can you tell me what some of those ideas are?
1: Well, the central issue is the ecological question. And this is seen as a very serious issue, which has relevance for the region, that's the nine countries of the Amazon region, but also has considerable uh, relevance for the whole of humanity.
0: Right. So what are some of the things that they're talking about in terms of, you know, proposals to protect the environment?
1: Well, they're talking about, uh, first of all, you protect the people. And this is a human rights observatory was one of the suggestions. Uh, We don't know if it's in the final document. There was a suggestion that there would be an Amazonian rite, which would include the liturgy of the Amazon, uh, like you have different rites in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. They have also incorporated some of the culture, the symbols of the peoples of the Amazon into this liturgy. And and this would develop that. Uh, They have spoken about the importance of perhaps having a university to educate indigenous people. But the, the big issue, I, I think nobody should be in doubt, the big issue is the environmental question, where the people's lives are being threatened, and that came out very, very strongly in the Senate. I expect it to come out very strongly in the final document and in the exhortation that the Pope will do afterwards.
0: So the discussions that produce these ideas have been happening in the language groups, and those groups have prepared in writing the proposals that we just discussed. And then those went to the drafting committee, who created this first draft of the final document from those proposals. So Jerry, what happens now in this final week of the Synod? What are the next steps?
1: Well, yesterday and today, they've examined this draft document, which is 30 to 40 pages.
0: Which we haven't seen, we should say.
1: We haven't seen, but I've been told. Uh, some of it is repetitions. Uh, and so in the groups they will say no no, you're repeating here, but also they'll say we want this point to be more concrete, more developed, more incisive. And so they will by tonight have fed back to the writing committee their suggested amendments, changes, additions to that first document. Tonight the, the drafting team will have the feedback. Then they will rework that first draft, and I think on Thursday or Friday morning, they will come back with a second draft. And then what? They will have some moments to comment on that, and then on Saturday, the definitive text will be put to a vote, and they will go paragraph by paragraph, and they will have to have two-thirds majority for each paragraph to be approved.
0: So after they vote uh, paragraph by paragraph on this final document and approve everything that's going to go in it, that goes off to the pope, right?
1: The pope will probably speak at the end of the voting on this document. This is what he has done in the past. On Saturday evening, we will get the text because normally the pope approves the release of the text to the media. So the pope the, the document will get the text, we'll know what for example the ministries in the church? What have they approved in terms of women's role in the church? What are they recommended? Because they can't approve anything. Right. It's the Pope who decides. But they recommend to the Pope and say, this is the way we think we should go forward. The question of the ordination of mature married men, that will also come up.
0: Right. So whatever they recommend isn't guaranteed to be approved by the Pope. What we're really waiting for to find out what's going to be official coming out of the Synod is, uh, is the Pope's follow-up document, right? But he doesn't necessarily have to write one. You think it's likely that he will?
1: Oh, I think it's very likely. Uh, and I, I would say one other thing. I've spoken to several of the Synod Fathers, and they have told me that in the draft text that they are now discussing, All the major issues that have been in the public eye are in this document.
0: So we will keep you updated on what ends up in the Synod's document of recommendations for the Pope here on Inside the Vatican, and we'll be uh, breaking that down a little bit more next week. Mm Our second story, in addition to all the synod events that are happening, there are a number of other events happening with synod participants. So we wanted to bring a few of those to our listeners this week. And the first one that we'll talk about is this event where indigenous leaders from North and South America were in dialogue at the Jesuit Curia, which is the Jesuit headquarters in Rome. The Latin Americans spoke about the challenges that they're facing, especially as regards rapid industrialization in their areas. And the North Americans were saying essentially that, you know, this same thing happened to them in the Industrial Revolution, and now they're standing in Solidarity with indigenous people in the Amazon region. Jerry, you went to this discussion. I'm wondering um, what stood out to you from it?
1: Well, I was very much struck when one of the Lakota Indians from North, uh, United States, North America, uh, began his talk. He said, uh, You are experiencing today what we experienced 150 years ago. But in reality, we have to go back to 1492, 1493, when Columbus arrived, and that was at the beginning of the problems we both face. And it's very strong, this sentiment that colonialism, what it has done to these original peoples of these lands. And then it was very interesting to hear the representatives of The North American Indians and the South American Indians speaking about their ancestors, about their culture, and about the people who have been killed trying to defend them, and how they are deprived of their lands, and that process is still continuing, despite legislation that is supposed to protect them. So, uh, what they were saying is, we've got a common cause, and it also extends beyond the Americas to the indigenous peoples in other places. And so th- they see this as a very very important moment in the history of their peoples as well as in the history of the church.
0: Right. And this is a time that they're, you know, really making their voices heard about these things. Um, I agree. The thing that stood out to me was kind of the urgency of the situation that they're describing. They talked about so many indigenous leaders who have been killed for standing up to the corporations that are coming in and trying to develop their land.
1: The other thing that struck me was their determination to resist. It came across very much that they are in no mood to surrender to the onward march of the interest of companies and governments, they say, we have been here. We're children of the earth, and we intend to remain here. And they are asking the church one thing, stand with us, be with us. And the bishops are saying back to them in the synod, our commitment is to be with you, to accompany you, to help to defend you, to give voice to your grievances, and, and so there's a coming together there, which is, I, I found very moving.
0: You know, another really interesting gathering that happened outside of the Synod this week uh, involved 40 bishops and lay people from the Amazon Synod who met in a catacomb outside Rome to sign this pact where they made some really strong personal promises to live out uh, the ideals that the Synod is talking about. They said they would live simply in solidarity and friendship with the poor. They said they'd take public transit whenever possible. They'd work to protect the environment, the rainforest in the Amazon especially. They'd limit their use of plastics um, and that they'd recognize both the already existing ministry of women and the vital importance of the Eucharist in, in church communities. Um, and I thought this was, you know, a really interesting gathering, because if these themes are are likely to come out of the Synod anyway, it, it makes me wonder, you know, why have this extra Synod Act? Why take this extra step? I was wondering if you could give any insight on that.
1: Remember, Saturday and Sunday were days in which the Synod was not actually meeting, but which the the, the document, the draft document was being written. So they had time to do other things. It wasn't as if they were taking time out from the Synod. But they saw it as important uh, I I would say to express their deepest feelings that the Church has to change. And in in this document uh, that they signed, they spoke about what Francis calls integral ecology.
0: Right, that's this idea that we protect both the environment and, and the people who are impacted by the environment.
1: It's a showing that all the things are connected. That to do, to do one, you also have to do the other, and show the interconnectedness of all these aspects. And I think this is what's coming out. And uh, I think they felt that a visible signal was also a good thing. Why is that? To go to the catacombs, to go back to the memory of the early church and say, you know, People gave their lives to move the church forward, and they say, here we are, we're prepared to give everything, to give up everything, to help the church be with the people. And it wasn't just the bishops, there was also the indigenous peoples there. I think the memory of Vatican II is very strong in this synodal gathering. They are very conscious that they are picking up the baton from Vatican II, if you might say so they are very aware and conscious that some of the great figures, especially of the Brazilian Church, Dom Helder camera whose cause for beatification is now, has finished the diocesan phase, who was a bishop in the northeast of Brazil, and who really was a man who lived poverty, he, very simple life against the poorest of the poor, he lived. He, he was an example of the Church of the Poor standing with the poor, and he was the really the, the brains behind that first meeting of the catacombs.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that first meeting of the catacombs. So you know, much like this one, that was also um, a a meeting that took place outside of Vatican II, outside of the Council, but very much related to. To the themes that were in it, and they went to the same place, the Catacomb of Saint Domitilla. Am I saying that right? Domitila. <laughs>
1: Domitilla. Yes.
0: Domitilla. and um, and they signed a very similar pact that said that they would live in simplicity. And uh, Domhelder Camera, who you mentioned, was was a big part of that. Can you can you kind of explain the connection between um, that that pact and this one to our listeners?
1: The bishops are very conscious, also in the Vatican too that when you live the gospel radically, you can encounter quite a bit of opposition from interests, from forces in the world, from people who, as Pope Francis says, for whom making money is the idol. And uh, so this is a real commitment. Also, it's it's an awareness that bishops themselves In the church for the time of the Vatican II and right now, are not all living the church of the poor that Pope Francis said three days after his election when he met the journalists and said, How much I would like a poor church for the poor.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing that stood out to me, um, especially this week as we've seen some more resistance to the synod, I know, you know, just this week we saw. Um, some people break into a, a church and steal some of the indigenous statues that have been used in a prayer service and, and they threw them into the Tiber River in Rome. Um, but it's striking to me how, you know, when we see this pact, which is, uh, I don't know, it's it's a long-term commitment, a real personal commitment that these people who signed this pact intend to live out for their whole lives. And it's striking to me the contrast between that and something like this um, this what the Vatican called a stunt, throwing the statues into the river, which was, you know, clearly just kind of a a, a one time thing to catch attention. This is the Pact is an ongoing personal commitment.
1: Before the synod ever started, there were attacks on the synod. They were saying that this is going to uh, foster paganism, that is going to encourage uh, heresy. All charges unfounded. Incredible, but to gain attention, to distract from the central aspect of the Synod, which is the question of integral ecology and how the church is going to stand with the peoples of this important area of the world and help them to resist those who come in just for profit and money. Some of these uh, attempts to focus on side issues appear to be very well planned and also to be not indifferent to the economic interests.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, I think it's it's very important to understand this. So what we saw was a, an aspect of intolerance, lack of dialogue. If you don't agree with someone, you dialogue. You, you, you don't go out and hit them in the face. And uh, I, I think uh, This got a lot of publicity, so it was distracting from the central issues of the Synod, and the central issue of the Synod is the world has a major ecological problem in the Amazon, which if it's not addressed in real time, the whole of the world will suffer.
0: Jerry, one last thing I wanted to talk to you about with um, the Pact of the Catacombs before you wrap up is one of the leaders of that original group in 1965 was Dumhildre Camera, who you mentioned, who stole Cardinal Claudio Humus' war at this gathering in the Catacombs. And So I want to talk about Cardinal Humus a little bit. Um, He's playing a really prominent role in the synod. He's the Relator General, which is sort of the moderator of the synod, and he's going to be a key writer of the final document. He also presided over this mass in the catacombs and the signing of this document, this pact. So what can you tell me about Cardinal Humus?
1: Well, Cardinal Humus is, of course, uh, quite a very respected man in Brazil, Uh, so much so that uh, John Paul II invited him to preach uh, the retreat to the Roman Curia, and many people then saw him as a possible candidate for Pope. Uh, he didn't get elected. The, the real candidate was to, alternative to benedict Ratzinger was uh, Cardinal Bergoglio. Then after that, Cardinal Humes who was the Archbishop of San Paolo and was doing, he's a Franciscan, he was doing a lot of very good work there. Uh, some people in Rome thought it was better to bring him out of San Paolo and bring him to Rome. On the eve of his coming to Rome, he gave an interview to the big newspaper or Globo saying that he envisaged that you could have married priests. He said, celibacy is not a dogma of the church. So when he came to Rome, there was a strong resistance against him.
0: Because this suggestion about celibacy wasn't, wasn't taken very well in Rome, right?
1: The question, the, the what he had said in the interview wasn't taken very well. And they put on as his number two, a man who certainly wasn't in that, on that line of thinking. And then he, he was an important figure in the conclave. You see, he was supporting Francis's election. And he was the one who was sitting beside Francis Bergoglio when he was elected Pope. And he was the one who whispered in the ear, don't forget the poor
0: that was that happened like right after he was elected
1: yeah and when he went back to brazil he was given the task of coordinator of all the work on the amazonian region of brazil and uh, he he was one who was part of the founding of the repam this network of the nine countries the church network of the nine countries in the amazonian region which has played a very big role in preparing for this Synod. And then Francis, really acknowledging he, his role, made him the key relator in the Synod, a kind of chief rapporteur. Mm-hmm. And so he, this is uh, a moment very important for him. Last week, I had interviewed the man who's working very closely with him, the Jesuit Cardinal Barreto from uh, Peru. And Cardinal Barreto said to me, and I think the words also apply to Claudia Humes, that they can now say, like uh, in, the, in the New Testament when the old couple met Jesus in the temple and they said, now you can dismiss me, O oh Lord. They feel this is a great moment for them. They are seeing really, I think, the birth of a new face in the Church of Latin America, but also a one which is going to impact across the world.
0: Yeah, it seems like, you know, we're seeing with Archbishop Humas um, you know, this this kind of maturity of the Latin American church, right? We talked about how in Vatican II these these bishops were kind of the ones who took the preferential option for the poor and went and lived that in a really radical way. And now that's matured and and they're coming back to Rome and, and teaching the whole church. Um so it will be really interesting for us to see, you know, how how that comes out in what comes out of the Synod and how that ends up impacting the whole Church. So I look forward to seeing how how this unfolds in the coming week. Jerry, uh, I know you've got a busy week ahead of you. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us, and uh, we'll chat with you next week.
1: Thank you, Colleen. I hope our listeners will join us next week to hear the important conclusions of the Synod.
0: Inside the Vatican is produced by America Media at our William J. Lowshirt studio in New York City. This week's episode was produced by Sebastian Gomes. Our news producer is Kevin Clark. Our audio engineer is Tucker Redding. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. Our studio manager is J.R. Kronheim. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at americamag. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Deli. We'll see you next week.